Um, if you're with us for the first time, man, I'm really grateful that you were willing to be drawn into that church family a moment. And you've caught us concluding what, what has been for me a tremendously exciting teaching series called Jesus is Greater. And so for the last couple of months, weekend after weekend, we've pointed to a different attribute of Jesus. It just highlights uh, his ultimate, inevitable greatness. But today, everything we've studied points to one undeniable, irrefutable fact. Jesus is our greatest hope. He's the greatest hope when we face any kind of overwhelming, painful impossibility. Jesus is the greatest hope of a struggling marriage. Jesus is the greatest hope uh, of frustrated parents. Jesus is the greatest hope for financial uh, gain and recovering from financial loss. Jesus is the greatest hope when you've lost a loved one. Jesus is the greatest hope in the midst of financial struggles and physical struggles and emotional struggles and mental struggles. Jesus is our greatest hope because Jesus is God. Here's, here's the word of God. No one, not you, not me, no one has ever seen God but but the one and only Son, Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to know God personally and profoundly, know Jesus personally and profoundly. If you want to analyze God, analyze Jesus. If you want to study God, study Jesus. If you want to experience God, experience Jesus. In fact, Jesus said of himself, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That Greek word that we translate seen could easily be translated experience. Anyone who wants to experience God, experience Jesus. So, because you guys came on a holiday weekend, the good news for you is that I have arranged a 35% discount at the local tattoo parlor. Come on! And here's the tattoo I want you to get this week on your left thigh. Load up your life with Jesus, and you'll load up your life with hope. Now, you don't wait until you're in a critical crisis. You don't wait until you're in the middle of the painful impossibility. You're proactive. You load up your life with Jesus. I mean, every day you're in his word. Every day you engage with him in prayer. Prayer's how you talk to him. The word's how he talks to you. You load up with Jesus, and it loads you up with hope. Worship, what you're doing this weekend that you said yes to God when he called you here. I'm just praying that because you gave him some of your time and that you opened your heart to him in worship, that he just fills you up with hope because life is hard and life hurts and we need hope like we need the air we breathe and God is ready to give it to us through Jesus. He's a faithful God. And a glorious Jesus. Load up on Jesus. And maybe the best way to load up on Jesus is to serve other people. 
As you serve other people, as you are their hope, he becomes your hope. He, as you serve other people, he serves you, and hope is the result. Um, let me teach this. Um, one, I know some of you need this talk because you've come with a boatload of hurt and you need a boatload of hope. Last Memorial Day, from last Memorial Day weekend to this one, during that period of time you lost a loved one to death. And we want to minister to you. We care about you. It's so good to see your smiling faces. Um, and so when my talk is over, I'm going to invite you to the front. Um, my brother and friend and co-laborer, Ray, will join me up here. We would like to give um, those of you who've lost a loved one, a white rose. A single white rose symbolizes honor. And so in honor of the loved one you've lost, we want to present one of these to you. A single white rose represents love, your love for that one you lost and your love for God. And a single white rose represents hope. And so at the end of my talk, I'll invite you to the front. Ray and I will be down here to serve you, hoping that you're able to go away from our time together a heart more filled with hope. Well, I want to teach this by taking you on a 25-mile hike with Jesus. Now, the idea of a 25-mile hike gets me all fired up. And maybe you're wondering, is there a Dairy Queen on the way? But this is the deal. Jesus has got to be at a specific place at a specific time for a God-purposed reason. And so he is up early. He's in Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee. He's got to get to Nain, N-A-I-N, Nain. And it is just, if you've never heard of it, that's okay. It is just an inky-dinky, one-horse town out in the heck of the middle of nowhere. 25 miles. He's got to get from here to there right on time. So he is up early and on the move. And if Jesus is up early and on the move, those who follow him are up early and on the move. And as he moves, as he walks through the streets of Capernaum, man, people come out of their houses. People walk away from their businesses. We got to go with Jesus wherever he's going. Man, we got to see what he's going to do. What's he up to today? We got to hear what he's going to say. Let's go. And so this swelling crowd gathers about Jesus and follows him out of town. And along the way, you see, this is how Jesus teaches. He's, um, he's not a professor in a classroom offering a lecture. He takes people out on field trips and does hands-on life experience. And so here's the first life lesson Jesus is teaching those who are following him. When you follow Jesus, you learn to hope. For the miraculous, that's your privilege because you follow Jesus. And guess what? Today, you followed him into worship. As you continue to follow him into his word, into prayer, as you follow Jesus, your privilege is the possibility of a miracle for those painful impossibilities in your life. So this is a lesson that Jesus is teaching as he walks this 25-mile hike with those who are following him. Here's the story. Jesus went with his disciples, his followers, to the village of Nain. And a large crowd followed him. A large crowd followed Jesus because word on the street 
is that Jesus is this phenomenal prophet of God. So if he's this big deal, if Jesus is this big deal, why would he go to that nowhere place, Nain? Because 800 years earlier, Nain was holy ground. In this very vicinity, a boy was raised from the dead. The prophet of God, Elisha, raised a boy from the dead. I mean, it took incredible work. It was, and, and he expended enormous amounts of energy. It was effort after effort after effort, and tenacious, passionate, tense, intense prayer. And all the work paid off, and the prayers were answered, and the boy is raised from the dead. So Jesus is going to name to give irrefutable proof that he is more than some mere prophet. He is God in the flesh. And when he wants to do the miraculous, all he's got to do is wink his eye. I mean, a behind-the-back miracle, a between-the-legs miracle. No, all he's got to do is breathe. All he has to do is speak, and the miracle happens. So they're on their way to Nain. When you follow him, when you follow him with your life, you can put your hope in the morale. You don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know when it's going to get done. You don't know what it's going to look like. All you know is that your God is good, and he's at work to your good. Second lesson, when you follow Jesus, you can put your hope in his good plans. Man, if there's no other reason, I'm glad you're here today. It's for me to burn in your soul that God has a great dream for your life, and he is sold out. I mean, one of the reasons Jesus was, that he died on the cross was to give evidence that he was sold out to bring into fruition God's dream for your life. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, it was beyond debate. Now you get to live. If you follow Jesus, you get to live in the incomparably great power by which Jesus was raised from the dead. So God has this great plan. He's got it memorized. He so loves you and so wants you to live under the favor of his hand. He's got this plan all worked out, and it's nothing random. It's not like a plan pops into his head or pops out of his head and just evaporates. No, the plan that God has for your life is absolutely fixed, settled, unchangeable. The only question mark in the, in the whole deal is whether or not you will follow Jesus into God's dream for your life. Here's the promise of God, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to say prosper. Yeah, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, the entire meaning of this promise is wrapped around this word prosper. Now, sometimes when we think of prosper, we think of money, and I think that's included. But it really is all about the things in life that money cannot buy. This is the promise of God. The Hebrew word for prosper is shalom. Now, sometimes when we think of shalom, we think of peace, and that is a, a, a definition. But it's so much bigger it's not just the absence of conflict or the cessation of, of war. Shalom means total well-being. God promised. He has a plan for, your, for well-being over every aspect of your life, for your marriage, your parenting, relational well-being, 
for your finances, financial well-being. And when you have his well-being in your marriage, you have peace in your marriage. When, when you have his well-being over your parenting, you have peace between you and your children. When, when you have his well-being over your finances, you have financial peace. It, it's over your emotions. It's, it's over your thinking. It, it, it's over your physical health. His well-being over the total package of you. And so his promise is this. I know, I have memorized, I know every detail of the dream I've worked out for your life. And it is all about shalom. Total well-being in every aspect of your life. In fact, you don't have to worry anymore. God's got your back. He's going to take care of you beyond even your wildest imagination. You don't have to be afraid. Here's the deal. Jesus promises, hey, don't worry about having enough. Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need, and he will give it all to you if. He'll give it all to you. You can count on it. He will give it all to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. God takes serious his responsibility for working out his dream for your life, for your relationships, for your finance, for your emotions. He knows his part and he does his part. Your part to experience the dream of God for your life, total well-being, is to give God first place and to live your life according to his plan. So Jesus is walking this walk, 25 miles, teaching life lesson after life lesson. Here's the third life lesson. When you follow Jesus, you can put your hope in God's provision. He's going to take care of everything you need as you put him first and follow his plan for your life. Well, after these lessons, the 25 miles has expired and they get there. Look what happens in the Word of God. Scripture says a funeral procession was coming out of Nain as he approached the village gate. Now, the village gate, that's where the, the, the most important decisions were made. I don't know what kind of important decisions were ever made in Nain, but that's what the gate was about, and that's where Jesus shows up at exactly the right time to meet this funeral procession. And I'm guessing that everybody in town, in the town of Nain, has turned out as a crowd to be a part of this funeral procession. And so we have these two crowds. We have one crowd following Jesus, the Lord of life, and they are excited. They are expectant. They're enthusiastic. What's he going to do? What's he going to say today that's just going to blow our minds? What miracle are we going to see? And so they're just energized to be with Jesus. The other crowd is following the Lord of death. This crowd is led by one woman, a mom whose heart has just been absolutely crushed, devastated. She's already gone to the cemetery once when she lost her husband. She never in her wildest, worst dream thought she would ever go to the cemetery again until it was her time. But here she is walking the walk, leading the funeral procession, and on the stretcher being carried behind her by a group of men is her one and only son. And she is just wrecked. The whole town is wrecked. This, this crowd, they got their heads down. 
This woman, all she can do is put one step in front of another. She's already lost her husband. How am I going to live? How can I go on without my son? Heads down, hearts heavy, hearts weighed down by worry, hearts weighed down by despair, hearts weighed down by hopelessness. Hopelessness will take you under every time. But Jesus shows up. She might have her head down, but she walks right into Jesus. And everything I've told you so far are the great, phenomenal, unbelievable benefits of following Jesus. But I'm about to share with you the great, unbelievable benefits of meeting Jesus. Let's go back to the text. Scripture says, the young man who had died was the widow's only son. Only son. Her one and only son. She's already lost her husband. Now her one, her one and only son. The whole point, I mean, Jesus walked by other villages, maybe walked by other funerals. First time, I think it was the first time I went to Israel, maybe it was the second or third, but we were ready to go into a church as a group of people from our church were ready to go into a church, and um, we had to wait and wait. And finally, out of the church, um, leading a funeral procession was the family of the deceased. Men were carrying the body of the deceased on a stretcher on their shoulders, maybe four men on either side. And that's the picture here, except the woman is alone because she now has lost her one and only son. Why, why does Jesus have to get to Nain? Why does Jesus have to get to this woman? Why does he have to get to her one and only son? Because Jesus is a one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would never perish but have everlasting life. Death is not the ultimate reality. Jesus is the ultimate reality. So this woman, she meets Jesus. She walks out head down, heart heavy, almost walks head on into Jesus. And here's the lesson he teaches. When you meet Jesus, you can put your hope in God's providence. Well, that's a weird word. How many people have used the word providence this week? I thought so. Um, I came into church last night, saw Shannon. Shannon is a very intelligent, good-looking young woman because she's a Cub fan. <laughs> so anyway, I say to Shannon, I didn't say to Shannon, you know, how you doing with God's providence today? I said, did the Cubs win? I don't talk about God's providence a lot either, but I know it is a deep, profound, theological concept. And so I'm going to share my understanding, <laughs> because I'm not intellectual, I'm going to put this on my fifth grade level. Here's what it means. Providence, the providence of God, when you meet Jesus, this is, this is your real possibility. This, is your, this can become your life reality. Providence is Jesus, the Lord of life, being in the right place at the right time to give you strength, to give you guidance, and to care for those who are his own. This is not a, a, a promise for everyone. This is a promise for those who meet Jesus and follow Jesus. He shows up at the right time, in the right place. When you're weak and he gives you his strength, when you are emotionally lost in like this emotional maze and can't find your way out, he finds you in the maze and leads you out with his guidance. He's got guidance for your difficult decisions. He's got guidance for your complex decisions. He's got guidance for those, com those decisions that are going to have some kind of consequence. He's there to help you and to care for you. 
When nobody else gives a rip, the providence of God, Jesus shows up at the right time at the right place to strengthen, to guide, and to give you care. If there's one verse in the Bible that says this in a way that I can understand, it's this one. God causes everything in our lives to work together for the good. Now, this isn't a promise for everyone. This is a promise for those who love God. They're following Jesus. They're having encounters with Jesus. They love God and are called according to his purpose, plan, goodwill, and dream for their lives. But that's God's promise. He will work everything together for the good, even when things go south in your marriage, even when things go south in your finances, even when you are in emotional, mental disarray, even when you're having health issues. He will take the situation lift you above the situation, and transform the situation into something good and beautiful. That's how our good Jesus works. So check this out. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion for her. Now the word compassion in the Greek is splachna, and it doesn't mean sympathy or pity. Sorry for spitting on you guys in the front row. Splachna means love in action. You see a need, you feel it on the inside, and you do something to address the need. I mean, it's the number one attribute in the character of Jesus, his compassion, and it is the number one attribute of this church. Just as evidence, back late fall 2020, we together saw the picture of a little girl in our preschool who was wheelchair confi- confined. When she and all the other kids go out into our playground to play, they run out onto the mulch-covered surface and jump on swings and get on equipment, and she has to stop in her wheelchair on the little concrete pad outside the door. That's as far as she could go. And even if she could go further, somehow on top of that mulch, she couldn't play on any of the equipment. And we said, that ain't right. And we're going to fix it, not just for her, but any child of any ability. And so people got generous. Their compassion took action. $150,000 was given. The playground is being built by the, let's say by 4th of July. It'll be all done and ready. And maybe families are thinking, man, it... And I know some of you guys are planning to go out there and do uh, the work. And I've got my nail apron filled up with cookies to encourage you. But no, let's say on the 4th of July weekend, their families are looking for a place to have fun that's free. Uh, where all their, Maybe they have a special needs child. They've got other children. And they want a place where all their kids can play together and have fun. And Central Christian, because of your compassion, because the compassion of Christ is the number one characteristic of you in this church, there's a place for all kinds of children with all kinds of abilities, and we've done it for the, because of the goodness of Jesus. He is a faithful Christ. So as a result, when you, meet, when you meet Jesus, you can put your hope 
in his compassion because he's going to take sacrificial action, exemplified in the cross, exemplified in him taking your place, dying for your sins, taking the punishment you deserve for your sin. He took it all. You won't be punished. You won't be judged. You won't be condemned when you meet Jesus and follow him because he took all that gross stuff upon himself. You get free. You get unconditionally accepted by God and you get his compassion at work in you. And it's not just a moment. He shows you compassion when you need his love to do the work in your behalf. And he loves with compassion through you for the needs of others who are hurting. Um, well, Jesus sees this woman and out of compassion, here's what he says. He says, don't cry. If you've ever been to a funeral visitation and you're in line to greet a mom who's lost her child and she's just weeping and you say to her, don't cry, that'd be rude. That would create an awkward moment when people are like, who's that jerk? Maybe we would better translate this. Jesus saying to her, you don't have reason to cry because he has the authority to change the entire scenario in front of him. This is huge. He wants you to learn this life lesson. In fact, when you meet Jesus, you, you, you experience more than his providence. You learn to put your trust in his authority. This is why we pray in the name of Jesus. This is why we find him, study him, because he has the authority for every aspect of our life. When Jesus speaks, he doesn't have to do some kind of dance or some kind of workout or some sort of sensational physical exposition. All he has to do is speak. And such is the authority of his word that when he speaks over your marriage, it can bring reconciliation. When he speaks over your children, he can bring protection. When he speaks into your health, into your emotional well-being, he can bring peace. He can bring the shalom that is total well-being. He can speak his authority over your finances. And when there are people, and every night when my Debbie and I pray, we have friends who have cancer, and he can speak authority over their sickness and over the struggles that their loved ones face. He can, he can speak authority over all the issues of our life. This is what you find when you come to meet and follow Jesus. He speaks with authority. Here's what happens in the story. Jesus went up to Jesus went up and touched the buyer. Doesn't touch the guy. He just touches the stretcher. The stretcher they were carrying um, the young man on, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up. Now that'll break up a funeral every time. <laughs> and the dead man sat up, and he began to talk. One moment he's dead, the next moment he's talking. Must have been a preacher. The dead man sat up, began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a reunion that must have been. Can you imagine her face? Can you imagine those tears of grief turning to tears of joy? Can you imagine her shock? Can you imagine her stunned expression? My son is alive. Maybe the first words he asked, where's my mom? How's my mom? I got to get to my mom. What a reunion. You're going to get that kind of reunion. 
I'm going to get that. I've lost all my grandparents. My Debbie has lost her mom and her dad to death. And one day we're going to be together. One day the skies are going to split asunder. One day Jesus will be seated on white stallion, fire in his eyes, the name on his thigh, and he's coming to claim his own. What a great reunion it will be in heaven. But until then, until then, the reunion creates a possibility of God making visitation in our lives. Here's what happens. Jesus takes these two crowds, one that had been following the Lord to death, one that did follow the Lord. He merges them into one congregation, giving worship and adoration and celebrating the goodness of God. Great fear, reverence swept through the crowd, and they praise God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. Eh, wrong answer. Right answer, God has visited his people today. That's my prayer for your life, that you will experience a visitation of God's goodness, God's miraculous favor, God's provision and providence, that God will visit you. I pray every night, God, come and set up free and full residence, permanent residence in me and my Debbie. Come, visit us, and stay, God. Stay forever in us. That's my prayer for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com, and have a great week.